Welcome to Turns Out It's Haunted, the podcast covering haunted locations and spooky stories. We're your hosts, Tracy and Laura. Here we are, Tracy. Oh my gosh. Our very first episode of Turns Out It's Haunted. And we've brought it. We've researched. We have. And I'm excited. Same. So I'm a bit scared. Yeah. <laughs> you are. If you're scared, then I'm extra scared. <laughs> oh, we Why watched so that? many YouTube videos yeah. and there, there's some scary shit going on there. It's good that we live in this day and age where there's YouTube and all of mm. the social media where you can virtually travel around a place without even being there. Yeah. And all the written things as well. Yeah, and there's so many uh, live cams, like uh, live feeds that are out there now yep. where cameras are set up in known locations where there's paranormal activity oh. 24-7 and you can just go on and watch the live feed for shits and giggles when you're bored and you, you could potentially see something go past the camera. Well, yeah, There's some so of many us, places there like that now. Some of us could watch those things. I didn't even know they exist. I think I've watched surf cams. <laughs> And little penguin cams. The turtles are about to hatch. Quick. Ready. <laughs> no, but so first episode, you have um picked out the ancient Ram Inn uh-huh. in England. And you've done all the research and I've done a little bit of research, so you'll throw to me to break down some some other sort of undercurrent subjects as we go. No but, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But Tracy, tell us a spooky story. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So nestled in the sleepy rolling green hills of Gloucester, England, is the tiny centuries-old market town Watton Under Edge. I so said that wrong, and I've practiced it so many times, <laughs> but it's Watton Under Edge or okay. something like that. I don't know. That's so wrong. We'll I don't go know. with that. We'll just keep going. Not bad for an Aussie. Yeah. Dating back to 940 AD, the town is home to what is described as the place where nightmares abound. The now home that advertises to have the most haunted room in Great Britain and is the eldest building in the town. Built in 1145 AD, the medieval and spooky as fuck ancient (laughs) Ram Inn sits unapologetic on the windy main road, barely holding its 800 years of haunted history in its warped walls. Built directly over two ley lines and a 5,000-year-old pagan burial ground, which my beautiful Laura will fill you in on. Yeah, so ley lines, um, I'd heard about them and I had no idea really what they were. So I'm just going to um, have a little brief chat about, well, it's not so brief. I lie. It's, it's a a couple of pages here, (laughs) but anyway, I covered the topic. So here we go. Um, ley lines are thought to be of spiritual significance with intentional alignments through sites of geographical and historical significance. The ancient Ramin is said to be positioned on top of where two of these lines intersect. One of these lines also passes directly through Stonehenge. Many people believe that a grid of Earth's energy circles the globe, connecting important and sacred sites such as as Stonehenge, the Egyptian pyramids and the Great Wall of China. If you plot these and other sites on a map, a curious thing becomes apparent. Many of them can be connected by straight lines. 
This was observed and recorded in 1921 by an amateur archaeologist and respected local Hertfordshire businessman, Alfred Watkins. He noticed that ancient sites at different points around the world all fell into a sort of alignment. Be the sites man-made or natural, they all fell into a pattern, usually a straight line. His idea was that our ancestors built and used prominent features in the landscape as navigation points for traders or religious rites and passageways. The identification of lays as ancient traders' routes was as far as Watkins was prepared to go, despite the fact that numerous ley lines travelled up tremendously steep hillsides. Speculation as to their meaning and purpose continued well after Watkins' death in 1935. To those who do believe in ley lines, the concept is quite simple. Ley lines are lines that crisscross around the globe. Along these lines and at various points where they transect, there are monuments, monoliths and even natural landforms. Additionally, there are sometimes rivers that run along, alongside these lines, which are believed to be a source of supernatural energy. Along these lines, at the places they intersect, there are pockets of concentrated energy. It is thought that the ancient Ramin feeds off the energy produced by these ley lines and gains further energy from the ever-mysterious Stonehenge. Also, the Ram Inn is built over wells. Some articles I researched mentioned the reversal of water flow from a nearby church to the inn and in doing so opened up a portal of dark energy on the site. <laughs> but according to sceptic Paul Devereux, it was the occultist Dion Fortune in her 1936 novel, The Great Foot God. Have you read that one? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Who invented the idea that ley lines were lines of power linking prehistoric sites. New Age interest in years that followed saw the rise of ley lines from mundane origins to an entire field of study, spawning books, seminars, and groups of ley line enthusiasts who gather to discuss research and walk the lines. Ley lines have also been incorporated into a variety of otherwise unrelated paranormal subjects, including dowsing, UFOs, Atlantis, and many crop circles have been recorded centred around these lines. So you can see why are there why there are some sceptics. Um, people, you know, take something interesting and run with it. But I did find... Um, on one of the sites, and I'll, I'll link to all the resources I used in the show notes because there's about seven websites here in front of me, um, but there's a line that you can easily see on a map that stretches from the southern tip of Ireland all the way to Israel where there's a straight line that connects seven different landforms that all bear the same name Michael or some derivative mm -hmm. of that in it. I've heard so, about that before, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you would It's pretty fascinating. Would've. It's cool, mm. but it's, you know, it's so obvious in some areas. Um, and then the pagan burial ground. Do yes. you want me to cover that now? Yes. Cool. Um, so the ancient Ram Inn is located among the, among the rolling hills of the Cotswolds in Gloucestershire, England, in the town that you mentioned. I'm not going to say it again. Go on. <laughs> no. Go on, please. Watton under edge. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, dudes. Watton. <laughs> yeah. Watton under edge. <laughs> but it, it, its history goes back centuries before there was even a structure or town there at all. The area where the building now lies is thought to have once been an ancient pagan burial ground dating back to 3000 BC. What? 
Mm. With plenty of archaeological artefacts such as carvings and tools in the area to support this. Indeed, the town of Wooden itself is quite old, established since the Bronze Age. So it's also interesting to note that um, describing someone as a pagan back in those times didn't carry the same meaning as what it does today. Often the word pagan was used to describe someone who was more simple or from the countryside and who did not prescribe or defect to the introduction of Christianity, but chose to continue serving their beliefs in multiple gods and goddesses. It was often used as a term of insult and the term heathen was also used in the same manner. I love that word. Heathen. Heathen. It's such a, it's just a cool word to say. (laughs) Heathen. I didn't realise that those two terms back in that time were almost used interchangeably. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. And obviously pagan these days is more seen as someone that just lives in in nature's cycles and um, observes obviously gods and goddesses as well. So, Well, to people in the know, people who are educated and not ignorant to paganism believe that and use that word for that reason. But it's still a word that um, has those negative um, vibes to it. Yeah, the connotations. Yeah. Devil worship. Yeah, it's just (laughs) ignorance. Yep. So that was Um, cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you. You're and welcome. I think that, um, like, they say that in the ancient Ramian, there's actually um, a map that you can find in there that's got um, the ley lines on it that go directly from the ancient Ramian to Stonehenge. So yes. you can actually you can see it there, like a, a proper map. And I think that would be really cool. Yep. So um, built originally built to house the stonemasons and builders of St. Mary the Virgin Church across the road, the inn became the home to the first recorded vicar, Gerinus, in 1154 AD until the local town vicarage was built. Um, Now, in all my uh, research, I found that there seems to be a strange gap that no one really reports on between 1200 to 1930. But what I did find was that um, after uh, the Civil War, uh, there was a massive fire that ripped all the way through Wooden Under Edge and basically burnt everything down except for the ancient Ramin, which in, you know, in other words to me is just like everything except for the pagan burial ground. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's that's pretty interesting wow. to think that the church and the ancient Ramin were the only things that remained. Um, and then there was a um, an abbey that was built. I can't remember the name of it. Catherine Abbey maybe or something like that abbey. And that was burnt down, but the gates to the the entrance still stand just Ooh. randomly in the middle of the town, just these gates that wow. just stand there. Um, so um, in 1930 uh, when sort of research and history records start to pick up back up again it was when the inn was bought by maurice de bathe and turned into a good old pub or should we say a good old haunted as fuck pub (laughs) (laughs) because i think that's what we're about to experience it was during this time when stories begun to be told and shared about the mysterious happenings within the ancient limestone walls And these stories have stood the test of time and every paranormal investigator stupid enough to enter after dark. In 1968, the inn became the property of John Humphreys. Or perhaps he became the property of the inn. Yeah. John bought the inn to save it from destruction after it was grade 2 heritage listed in 1952. He planned to run it as a bed and breakfast, catering to the loved up honeymooners who had just said their vows at St Mary's. And despite claiming that on his very first night sleeping in the inn, 
He was grabbed by the arm and violently dragged across the room from his bed. He went ahead with his B&B plans. He went ahead without his wife and children, who, after staying there for only a couple of weeks, refused to ever go back. Oh, my God. And John remained the sole occupant of the inn until his death in 2017. So how long was that? How long was he there for? Uh, He bought it in 1952, so he was there for about 55 years or 65 years. Living in it. Mm. Wow. Yeah, by himself. Now owned and operated by his daughter Caroline, the inn is open for paranormal investigations and private sleepovers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, if our lovely scaredy cats can summon the vaginas and let's face it we might need some dicks too to stay overnight (laughs) let me introduce you to the inn's infamous and frightening hosts so laura yes you'll be having breakfast in the dark and eerie men's kitchen where you'll probably lose your appetite when you see the grave markers the grave markers for the child's grave that was found under the floor Clearly visible are a small skeleton and an iron dagger, assumed to be the cause of the child's untimely departure. With the belief that there would be more bones under the floor, authorities decided to leave what may be and do not disturb the dead any further. So it's still just there? Still there. Wow. One medium who visited the inn claimed to have been told by an entity that as many as six children were ritually sacrificed on the land and sounds of a baby crying are often the accompanying soundtrack to your delicious breakfast. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to post some photos on the socials and you'll see that, like, it's it's just this picture of, well, it's just a, an image of, um, like, dirt and you just sort of see kind of, it's hard to make out in the photos, but you'll see, like, some skeletons, some bones and, wow. a, and like, a dagger. Um, and then he's put up like a crucifix and there's the original grave marker there. And then this dude was a hoarder, like John Humphreys. Oh, the owner. Epitome yep. of hoarder. I've and seen so, a photo of him too. Oh, my gosh. He's Something. just like Willy Wonka. Yes. Out. <laughs> um, but he's a hoarder. And essentially it's kind of like he's collected every cliche um, <laughs> item that is paranormal or spooky that you could possibly think of and just chucked it in his home. Oh, my God. Um So no doubt you'll want to wash your face after such a wonderful start to your stay. And on the way up the narrow newspaper clad creaky staircase to the bathroom, you must keep your wits about you for many a nervous guest has been thrown up the stairs up them by invisible hands that grab them. Oh, can you imagine just like, here you go, up you go. And so the first door you find on level one in the Ram Inn has a sign that reads, The Bishop's Room. John kept this door closed and refused to enter without his holy Bible and not before performing his strange knocking ritual on the door to which he would assertively ask out loud, Is there anyone there? So he has this like... um walking stick looking crook thing that he hangs like right next to the bishop's room door and before he goes in he holds his holy bible to his chest and he gets the the um the crook and he bangs three times but three times so like sets of three so three sets of three knocks and he but like one to the side 
one to the other side and one to the top, like he's forming the holy trinity, oh, the, the cross. Yeah. And so he knocks, bang, 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 bang. Hello, is there anyone there? And then he will enter. Wow. So known as the most haunted room in Great Britain, there most definitely is someone there. There's actually five someones there. Five. Five. There's the two fat monks who often appear together in the corner. And from what I can understand, the way that they appear is almost like um, they they have this kind of ethereal sort of um, glow to them as well. Like they're not just your standard spirit vibing up. It's, yep. it's just this weird kind of glow to it too. Is that because they're monks? Oh, who fucking knows? Because... Um, in my experience, <laughs> in my experience as a medium, um, whenever our spirits come through that actually had some level of faith that was true faith, yeah, they do come through differently. So potentially, who right. knows? I don't okay. know. I'd have to go and see. Yeah. There's also the cavalier, and a cavalier is what they call the supporter or a supporter of King Charles during the Civil War. There's the shepherd and his dog. Right. And there's the screaming man. Wow. Who reportedly was killed after having his head repeatedly stuck in and out of the burning fireplace. Oh. That still stands ominously in the background of the room. What would he have done to have required that? It's a busy fucking room. Wow. If you're lucky enough to be sleeping in this special room, you'll likely be woken to the sound of a heavy object being dragged across the floor to the attic, which is on the ceiling above. If you're too afraid to enter the bishop's room, don't worry. You'll still experience the wrath of the room waking in the middle of the night to the violent rattling of the bishop's room door. So apparently most nights, the door that John keeps shut, whether there's someone in there or not, will rattle violently, like shaking the whole entire house. But they don't need doors anyway. No, but they can manipulate them. They can so manipulate they do. them. But, yeah, keeping the door closed wouldn't change anything. No. No. And, like, I'll talk to you a little bit more about oh, that later. Oh, makes me feel scaredy cat. Now, please don't be disappointment, disappointed if you don't get to sleep in that room. No. And if you get assigned the other room in the inn, it's okay. It's just as active and just as frightening. The witch's room. Oh, I've read about this one. Is named after her witch, a witch who sought refuge in the inn during the witch trials of the 1500s. She was eventually found and burnt at the stake nearby. A frequent flyer, the witch will likely have her familiar with her when you meet. Her black cat is often seen and heard meowing around the building. And the witch is kind to share her room with another female thought to be Elizabeth, who is often recorded on EVPs in paranormal investigations, and a Roman centurion on horseback, who is often seen just casually riding from room to room through the walls. As you do. As you do. Riding a horse in an inn. Yep. It's like a, it's a good old show going on in there. <laughs> wow. So if you happen to feel cold, though, by a child's voice. Right. To climb up to the weaver's attic. Oh. You'll be greeted by the old innkeeper's daughter hanging from the rafter above. Murdered there in the 1500s, she rarely leaves the attic. And 
is always there, just always there. Hanging out. Hanging out. Oh, my gosh. Not funny. Sorry. Outside the main building lies the Mayflower Barn, a pretty name for the home of a pretty blonde predator. There are two male entities that are isolated to the barn, a man who has a penchant for young blonde girls, letting them know by an occasional boob or butt grab. Wow. That'd be fun. But before you bolt out of there, his barnmate, a seven-foot-tall, dark, shadowy figure who lurks in the corners, will creep you into the deepest depressive state you've ever experienced. Sounds cheery. Throughout the inn lies the remnants of satanic rituals and devil worship, the faint sounds of growls, whispers and screams, all lovingly surrounded with religious paraphernalia like crucifixes and statues of Jesus, the foolish attempts of an old train-driving, devoutly Christian John Humphreys, a man who could not leave his home yet famously said, I'm too scared to tell you why I don't like this room, about the bishop's room. Right. And if you haven't yet jumped online to book your stay at the ancient Ram in Laura, maybe <laughs> this will seal the deal. John claims to have been attacked by an incubus six times in one week and, wait for it, raped up to eight times by the resident succubus. Mm. Lovely. Fuck that. <laughs> My Matt told me to stop saying the F word yes. in the podcast. And yes. I think I've said it about 10 times. Because this is a lot. <laughs> Just sorry, Matt. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'll try better next time. <laughs> I think our listeners know us mm-hmm. well by now. Mm-hmm. There's a little E on the front tile there every week. Because <laughs> those bombs get dropped. Yep. So what are you going to tell us about incubus and succubus? Yeah, incubi so and succubi. You um, tasked me with looking up um, what those terms meant so that I could tell our listeners about uh-huh. it. Um, so I've, I've got a very simple definition here Go of for something it. horrendous. But anyway, it says a succubus is a demon or supernatural entity in folklore in female form that appears in dreams to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. According to religious traditions, repeated sexual activity with the succubus can cause poor physical or mental health or even death. The male counterpart to the succubus is the incubus. So, like you said, John would claim over the years to have been physically assaulted countless times by ghosts, demons and strangest of all a type of spirit called the succubus and the incubus, which is said to feed on sexual energy. Yep, so like you said, John claimed that he was repeatedly attacked and raped by the insatiable succubus. Those succubi. So the succubus is the female mm-hmm. and the incubus is the male mm-hmm. and they feed on sexual energies. Mm-hmm. Would yeah. you? We're going to do an episode on those. Okay. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're spooky AF. And they're fairly... Um, common in the yeah. paranormal investigation world. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. There's some really famous ones out there. There is. And a lot of them are present or recorded in um, a lot of religious texts and stories. So there are a lot of vicars and bishops uh, from back in the 1500s and before that yeah. talk about um, those um the evil entities that would come and I think a lot of the time they would just write it off to what was 
then thought to be incubus and succubus. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman who, um, who had sexual, um, a sexual appetite that maybe was not accepted in those times. Um, yeah was sometimes referred to as a succubus, mm-hmm. which is... I could imagine. <laughs> God, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're, they're pretty freaky pretty freaky entities and I've actually got um, uh, maybe two, it could be three, but I think it's two clients who claim to have been visited by succubus. Wow. Mm, and one of them was has been repeatedly. So it's not it's not ever sort of pleasurable, so to speak, is it? It's always of a... Wrong. Oh, okay. So sometimes, um, like there's cases which when we do the the episodes we'll talk about Mm -hmm. where um, people actually get into relationships with them. So it can be consensual. It's not always raping. It can be an actual. But there is a a element of compulsion involved. Uh Uh, But eventually the succubus um, will kill you because they'll suck you of all of your energy. Gross. Yeah, it's just like a normal paranormal attachment or supernatural attachment, essentially. Can you talk to me about the word compulsion that you just said? Yep. So when we are compelled to do something. So in my belief, I think John Humphreys was compelled to stay at the ancient Rome Inn. Well, who would in their right mind for mm. that long? Yeah, and he never left. Like he just, he never left. You know, he said goodbye to his wife and his kids um, and stayed there. And he also talks about how he doesn't want to let the demons beat him because he, he was a extremely devout Christian. And he makes a lot of references to what was happening in the home to the Bible. Like he literally draws back to it and he talks about these child sacrifices and how in the Bible, um, it's said that, um, God or Jesus sacrifices his, or God sacrifices his son, yeah. In Jesus. And in the Bible, it states that there is something to do with um, a a figure, an animal figure that is seen in the in the vision that this is depicted in the Bible. And he said, and what and what did that figure have? And the investigator was like, I don't know, John, what did the figure have? And he said, ram horns it was a ram and look at the name of the house and you actually see him in one of the videos visibly become completely like messed up because he just freaked himself out like it's just like who named this place there's no records of who named it the ram inn Mm. and it's like it's directly from the bible so he's convinced that the bible was being played out the stories of the Bible being played out in the inn. Within the inn. Yeah, and so he refused to let the evil spirits and the demonic energy uh, send him out of his home. So it was like this real strong principle to stay there. But compulsion is when um, when you are under almost like a spell where you're completely unaware of being just addicted to or drawn to something or someone. And you just you just want to go there. You're fixated on it. You can't stop thinking about it. You eat, sleep, breathe, dream all about whatever it is. And a lot of places that have a lot of paranormal activity seem to come with the ability to be able to compel humans and the living. And we've spoken about in, in Turns Out She's Psychic about um, sometimes in some of the Portals to Hell episodes that I've seen where um, they will research and investigate theatres 
Yes. Yeah. We and theatres tend to have, um, you know, they're, they're just a fun place to go really as an investigator, but they have uh, lots of records of security guards and night managers being compelled and to the point where they quit their their day jobs and they, you know, leave their family and they become addicted to the place and that's all they want. It's like they have a relationship with just the place. Just to go there. Yeah. They just, it's like they just can't think about anything else. So the paranormal entities have the ability to do that simply almost by um, sort of um, taking over your mind in a sense. Like they're able to commandeer sort of the mind area and envelope it and um, influence it into what it wants to think about. Influence, yeah, like interrupt your rational thought and just, yeah. Yeah, so it will, um, it's kind of like turns the the vibe up, it turns the energy up on, on what it wants you to do rather than what it doesn't want you to do makes it feel good to be there, makes it feel like you're getting a fix when you're there. Even though it's actually detrimental to you. Yeah, and quite often detrimental to your health. Yes. Because a lot of people who are compelled end up taking their own lives. Wow. Mm. And they usually do so in the space that they've been compelled to or in the space that the entity who has compelled them is. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that's cheery. (laughs) So heading back to the ancient Ram Inn. Yeah. So the other thing that was really cool about the ancient Ram Inn was that obviously it tracks a lot of skeptics. Yep. And so one of the things that I wanted to sort of mention was that many of the skeptics will basically say how, um, you know, they think that it's just like a, um, a tourist attraction and just for, you know, it's too uh, orchestrated and everything is just too kitschy yes. and cliche for it to actually be real. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got the the people who are actually just like, well, if you actually met John and you knew how he functioned, he like he would take a penny to do a tour. And there's one report where an investigator gave him, oh, it's, British money, so I don't really know, but he said, I think he said a 20 pound note or wow. something. Well, 20p and, coin, maybe like. Uh, 20 said, I think it was a note oh, right. from what I can remember. Anyway, whatever yeah. it was. And he said, and then John muttered under his breath, wow, that's the most anyone's ever given me before. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say that is a, a lot. Mm. Okay. There you and go. so he's just like, this guy was not doing it for the money. And a lot of people who go there repeatedly, so there's been. Over the years, there's been, over the decades, there's been so many teams, investigative teams that have gone back like time and time and time again. Uh, and they go back because they get the goods, they get the EVPs, the um, electronic voice phenomena mm-hmm. that that we, so when you see in paranormal investigation shows, how they have recorders um, and then they play back to the recording, they can hear voices that they may not or they may have been able to audibly hear in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also do lots of spirit box work in there too, which is where Elizabeth usually pops up, the female that lives in the witch's room. She um, And she will often talk about how she has four other spirits with her, which makes sense because 
<laughs> there's more than four. So she she's quite happy to talk. She's very quick to talk. She talks about when she died, the year she died, which I think from memory was like 1845 or something. So she's very chatty, very talky. Um, they get lots of growls and whispers and laughs and cries. There is the spirit of the cat. And then at one point someone found uh, the the remains of a cat under the house or maybe in one of the walls. And the um, the time of the death or the, the date of the death could not be possible, but it had to be, but it could not be possible because of the, um, the, the, what's the word? The, um, the way that the cat's body was preserved. Oh, like mummified. Yeah. So they reckon that it was definitely some sort of sacrificial, um, ritual that took place at some point. Uh, And they think that it's, that's the reason why the cat is there that haunts the the space. Okay. Not just the witch's familiar. Um, yeah, so you know he 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 he's an interesting guy, just a really really interesting guy, and you can just see like I I can read eyes, and so when I look at his eyes, I can just see his truth. Like there is a man who one hundred percent, without a doubt, experiences terrifying phenomena on the reg, and is almost in love with it, Ugh. just attached to it in a, in a real kind of like dutiful way, not in a romantic way at all, but in a dutiful way. He just, it's like he just needs to care for the inn and it was his job to do that. Like he he's the person who's supposed to do that. Just blows me away that someone chooses to subject themselves to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the, the locals and visitors, uh, if they're too scared, they, they usually cross the road yep. and, and look away from from the inn as well because they're scared to see in the window because sometimes a little girl, the innkeeper's daughter, and Elizabeth, we think, um, wave at the, at the window or just stand there and watch and move the curtains as well. So lots of, lots of fun stuff that goes on. Yeah, I must admit when I was looking at some info, you can go onto TripAdvisor yeah, and there's people that have been there. And I'm, oh. Oh, Since I've started doing the research, I get an ad, an email a day, sometimes more, from some sort of travel website. And I'm like, how do you, like, yeah. how do, <laughs> man, it's too clever for me. Yeah, their algorithms when yeah. you search things. Yeah, yeah. Come and stay what at What and Under up. Edge. And I'm like, no, thanks. No, thank you, you very know, much. All, I'm just blaming it all on COVID as to why I'm not going to the ancient Roman. I'm way sorry. close enough Can't living go. where I do. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Can't go. COVID, you know. Yeah. Can't go. Even 20 years from now, can't go. Yeah, can't go. I'm busy that day. <laughs> yep. So, wow. Um, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. When you were researching all of this and you were obviously reading into a lot of the different entities there. Yep. Being who you are, did you pick up on anything extra, even looking at photos and stuff like that? Or were uh, you just more switched off? More switched off. Yeah. What was actually interesting was the the Mayflower barn with the two males. And the one that liked the blondes. Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha. I didn't uh, even put that two really? together. Yeah. Um, but my that piqued my curiosity because in a lot of the um, 
the YouTube videos and investigations that I watched, they don't really talk about the Mayflower Barn. Yeah. It was only sort of towards the end when I was almost done that I discovered some people randomly talking about it. And I was like, what is this? Like, what do you mean the outhouse, the, the Mayflower Barn? Yeah. And so I got on and did some more research. And it wasn't until that that I kind of um, paid attention to it. I think... When I do research with things like this, because I know that energy doesn't need to be specific yes. to where you are, it's yes. not location. It can be location intense, intensive. But For someone like you, you could tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely look at it from a different part yep. of me and who I am. Yeah. Um, but also there is a, um, a paranormal investigator who is one of the most um, well-known over in Britain. Yeah. And he has been many, many times, but he still states to today that it is the only place that he is too scared to stay by himself in for the night. And for me, that was enough for me to just go, I need to have my guard up. I need yeah. to not be mucking around with this sort yeah. of stuff and getting getting involved too in involved. it. Because it's a lot. Yeah. And it's so old. Like everything over there, there's so many layers of history, which is why it's so populated, I'm guessing. Are they yeah. all from different times, the residents? Yeah, they are. They well, they're all pretty much from the the period of time where the where the the gap is that kind oh. of twelve hundred to the fifteen hundreds. Yeah. Um, that we start to see the 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 records of the deaths in the fifteen hundreds, but we don't really hear anything about what happens in between. So, that apart from John dying afterwards, no one there's nothing reported yeah. of any death. But what's also there too is um. When they were building the church and the masons lived there and the brickies, uh, there's tunnels that go from the inn to the church under the ground and some of them are still, like there's still remnants of those tunnels. So I would imagine that there would have been like maybe even deaths from the stonemasons and the bricklayers um, yeah. as well because I don't think they were treated very well. Working conditions would have been pretty poor. Correct. And like, you know it's almost like a mine like a tunnel it's like imagine if it collapsed or if people got sick or yeah um I can't imagine that it would be the healthiest place um and you know like it's had lots of lots of stories go through there because it was a pub and um you know a drinking spot yeah so lots of fights lots of alcohol lots of yarns you, you never know it. pardon you name it yeah and with the wells underneath, yeah. I was reading about it was a perfect place to dispose of bodies as mm -hmm. well. So that's it. Ooh. Yeah. So it's a combination. The ancient Rome Inn really is just a combination of um, the history and a place that has confirmed, recorded history. So you can't you can't debate the 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 history. Um, you can't debate its its land title you can't debate its location uh you can't debate john humphreys was a real person <laughs> and also you know the amount of people if you think about the fact that he's had it since 1952 in 60 years the amount of people that he has had go there that have been petrified scared you know wanting to muck around with with stupid energy and well, that's the thing too they're sort of exacerbated it. it all correct yeah. and it just makes sense like you know if you want to make a haunted place more haunted visit it Ooh. you know like go there <laughs> go there and provoke the 
provoke the entities and the spirits. And, and if everything that went on there in terms of the satanic rituals and the devil worshipping, um, if that all went on there, then it's really easy to do. And he's got like, if you, we'll post photos to the Instagram, but he's got, you know, that, you know, religious paraphernalia, like I mentioned, everywhere. There's crucifixes, crosses, statues of Jesus and Mary and... Um, <laughs> to ward off all the evil yeah, energies. Yeah. Yeah. And like... Didn't work, but... Paintings of, you know, priests and and popes and all these kinds of different things. And one, um, one uh, reverend that actually went there said that it was... Um, the most it was it was the one place in his life that he had the complete misfortune to visit he's just like basically that there is no other place in my life that I have been to that I felt like I I wish that I had never been really regretted it yeah wow and so I think the entities obviously had it in for for um religious gentlemen or people yeah. of stature within the religious community, and probably because the the first homeowner was a vicar. Yeah, you know, it's bringing in over the top of burial grounds, over the top of you know sacrifice and ritual, and then then sits a a religious head. Yeah, like if you're going to piss them off, they, you <laughs> piss them off back in back in the 1100s wow. straight away. It's just nuts. It just really frightens me. Yeah, and you also can't argue with the water being redirected and if it does open yeah, up the portal. Yeah, that was interesting when I read that. Mm. There's so much energy there. Yeah, well, if you look at, um, and we might talk about this at some point too, where like in, in, in Australia with the Indigenous, with our Aboriginals, they um, the ley lines are so sacred to them. You know, they, they really uh, respect them and honour them um, and know exactly where they are. Yeah. Uh, and so... Brings again, a whole new element into it all. Yeah. yeah. If you choose to believe, it's yeah. there. Yeah. Wowza. Well, that was a doozy. Yes. So welcome to the ancient Ramian, the most haunted location in Great Britain. And if you want to go, you can go and they do night tours. <laughs> they do day tours. They do afternoon tours. Caroline, John's um, daughter, has has left it open because she knows that it bring it could bring so much um, information into the paranormal investigative world, uh, and that you know it honors in some way. She talks about how it honors the spirits that are there, um, and lets them live on, and honors the spirit of her father too, who this was his life work and his passion, and and he was really misunderstood. So she she maintains it, and it's grade two heritage listed. So. Unless it burns down or something strange happens, I don't Drowns think we're going to get holy rid of the, water. <laughs> in case the in case the water level rises. Oh well, it could. Mm-hmm. Who but knows? one one thing that I was reading too was this story of a guy who went to do an investigation there, and he said, like, I was on the bus and I'm coming down into Watton Under Edge, and he's like, the whole town is covered by this mist that just sits there, and it doesn't go it's like you can't even see the town until you go through the mist and then the town's there it's like you have to go through a portal or a gateway almost of the mist to to get into the town wow and I'm like that would be enough to just go uh-uh turn around I'll I've walk back my mind. yeah send me a postcard <laughs> I'll be seeing you <laughs> tell me all about it yeah. no. COVID <laughs> well 
There you go. There you go. That's it. Done. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us on our first ever episode of Turns Out It's Haunted. Bye, scaredy cats. Got a haunted location you would like us to cover? Or a spooky story you would like us to share? Get in touch at tospsychic at gmail.com. Or visit us on the Instagram, turns out underscore it's haunted. If you'd also like to leave a review, a rating, a like, a subscribe, and even a share, we'd really appreciate it. next time. Sleep well, my scaredy cats.